You are listening to a live broadcast from Faith Worship Center in Portia, Arkansas. Amen and amen. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, singers and musicians, for your help this morning. I'm going to do something I hardly ever do, but I'm going to let you just be seated just for a moment. Instead of saving you an up and down, we're going to work on them knees this morning. Amen. Just a couple of announcements. I'm going to go ahead and swap mics. Announcements that, that I want to make uh, that, that were just my announcements. Uh, first of all, um, I want to announce that this coming Wednesday night, I'm going to start a teaching um, on emotions that we deal with. The, the, uh, you know, our mo emotions control us for the most part, but our emotions can fool us. Amen? We're going to deal with emotions, and in doing that, I'm going to touch on some things that the church, by and large, has left alone, but I encourage you to come and be a part of it because it's something that many have uh, grabbed a hold of or claimed that has been a big effect on their life, and that is things such as depression and also oppression. What's the difference and how do they affect us? You can turn the monitor down just a little bit. How they affect us and what's the solution? Anybody that suffers from depression is not, uh, not filled with the joy of the Lord. It's not, they're not having a good time. And so we want, to, we, want to, we want to touch on these things, and we want to try to help you scripturally and spiritually. I am one that firmly believes that, that Jesus Christ is the answer for all things. And so we got to know how to let him work in that area of our lives. So if you have emotional struggles, if you suffer with uh, depression or, or these things, or oppression as a believer, if you understand what that is, then Wednesday night we're going to start. I don't know that I will get done, but we are going to try to start on that teaching. Another thing that I want to announce is simply this, and it's not in a condemning way, but I'm a pastor, so I'm here to help spiritually and to encourage you spiritually and to offer you things that will help you spiritually. We don't have a problem around here in regards to faithfulness, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We have great crowds. I don't know how many was here Wednesday night. Did you get a count? We have, didn't have a, but the Wednesday night before that was over 100 people. And that's exceptional for a church, um, uh, for a church, any church. And so we thank the Lord for that. But I do want to encourage you. I know some of you work, some of you drive a long ways, but any time that you can be in the house of the Lord Sunday morning, Sunday night or Wednesday night when we are having service, it, it will only help you spiritually. It will only help build your faith. And so I just want to encourage that. I see a lot of times, and um, again, not condemning, I'm not slinging anything, I'm just trying to encourage you, but I see a lot of times that people will have trouble or they'll have trial or they'll have a situation come up in their life, and then they start getting faithful to the house of the Lord. And so I just want to help you. If, you. if we are better prepared and we are better ready to take on that blunt, then it, it will only be a benefit to us scripturally and spiritually. And so um, I want to encourage that. And then last but not least, and I know Pastor Brian has already done it. Uh, if I thought I'd embarrass him, I wouldn't do it. But Brother Greg, would you stand? I want you all to see this guy. It's Brother Greg Hopper. Came here, I don't know how long that you and Miss Cindy's been coming here now, 
uh, about three years or so. But I want you to, to see something. Greg and Cindy, they own a business, Hopper Feed, in, in Myrtle, Missouri, and she works full-time also. Uh, they got a beautiful, beautiful family, kids and grandkids. But five years ago today, five years ago this morning, Greg pulled into a, a mental-type hospital. My monitor went way up again. A, a hospital to help with drugs, drugs addiction. And he pulled in there bound, and here's one thing you need to know. Is this okay, Greg? One thing you need to know is Greg had been there before. He'd been to rehabs. He'd been to different hospitals for help. He had tried everything there is to try. He had some knowledge of the Lord, and he knew that, that Jesus was the answer, but didn't really know how to let the Lord work in his life. And then five years ago, he pulled into a, a hospital, and when he pulled into that parking lot, he didn't even get out of his truck. But while sitting in his truck, he said, Lord, I've been here before. I already know if I get out of my truck and walk in, there's not going to be no change. But I believe that you are able to break the power of crystal methamphetamine in my life. And you know what happened? Jesus Christ came into his truck without opening the door. Hallelujah. 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 Wait a minute. Don't sit down. I'm not done. I got because this is what I want to tell. I want you to know this. I want you to understand this. God's not done working in his life after he delivered him from crystal methamphetamine. God's not done working. God is still working. Just a few Sundays ago, I preached on the breaking of strongholds. He immediately got up out of his seat and made his way down here, and I felt the presence of the Lord as it began to move upon his heart and in his life. But here's what I want to tell you. Greg is just, a, this is not no disrespect, but Greg is a simple country boy from up here in Myrtle, Missouri. That's, that's what he is. Went to a couch uh, a school and played basketball there, but here's what I want you to know. Uh, to a lot of people he may be a nobody but to Jesus he's somebody and my Bible says that God is not a respecter of person if God will do it for him you don't know anybody that God won't do it for he's not a respecter amen it's not my message, but if he'll deliver him from drugs, he'll deliver you from drugs or alcohol or depression or oppression or filthy communication or a lying tongue or a gossiping tongue. It makes no difference what your bondage is. Jesus Christ is mighty to save this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now you can be seated. I kind of wish that was my message now. And I thank the Lord for that. Amen? Amen. Don't give up on the Lord. Don't give up on asking God for your whatever it is you need Him to do in your life. Because He's able to do it. Amen? Now will you stand with me? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I got you all excited, and now I'm going to teach. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says this. The Apostle Paul writes, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And this is the thought, now let's go back, verse number 2, he says in one of his commands, be ye transformed 
by the renewing of your mind, and it's probably not what you think that it is uh, because the church, by and large, has got it wrong. But this morning, I want to minister for just a little bit. I'm going to try to teach, and I, I know that... Um, we can't take as much teaching as what we can excitement sometimes, so I will be considerate of that. But uh, I want to look at renewing of your mind. What does it mean for my mind to be renewed, and how is my mind renewed? And so I think it's going to complement Wednesday night, if you were here, or if you listen, it's going to complement the sanctification process that we taught on Wednesday night. But let's look at this subject this morning, renewing of the mind. Will you bow your head and help me pray? Father, I love you this morning. I thank you, God, for your grace and for your mercy and love. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity one more time to minister, to preach and teach your already anointed word. I ask, God, that you would move upon every single heart and every life that is here today. God, that you would open our hearts, God, to receive your word. Help us to not have a hardened heart that rejects. Open our ears to properly hear and to understand. And Lord, Anoint me, God, to properly deliver, Lord, but it will be understandable and applicable to our life that we may take it home and allow your word to change us. And I'll be very careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. I'm going to try to... To slow down and teach, I'm going to try. I'm going to give it an honest effort anyway, but I, and I may not be here long, but it's very important, the subject renewing of our mind, and I believe that will be very, very helpful to us. I'm going to be very blunt and very plain, and I, I hope this morning that, uh, that you leave understanding and probably going to touch on, a, on an area that maybe that majority is as looked at or interpreted wrong, but that's okay too. Anytime we can, anytime we can right or wrong, that's what we want to do. Amen. And so we want to address this area this morning and uh, a struggle that that at some point every single believer has dealt with, or every single believer is dealing with this morning. Mostly, though, let me say it like this: it's a silent struggle. The struggle that I want to talk about is not a struggle that we want to talk about in a public in a public setting a lot of times. Not nothing crude or not nothing ugly, but not one that the church wants to open up about and, and it's something that we need to that we need to talk about, a struggle. Because church people are supposed to have it all together. Amen. Come on, not, you don't have to talk about it, but you do got to amen me. But when we go to talking about struggles within the church, the believer wants to avoid that conversation because by and large, we're trying to set ourselves on a platform. We try to set ourselves, if I claim to be a believer, I want to set myself on a platform that my mentality is is a little bit above maybe or a little bit better and so a struggle that we deal with uh, that we don't want to talk about because we're supposed to have it ever uh, all together is this it's how to live a righteous and a holy life do you know what those things mean do you know what righteous and holy means do you know righteous means everything within my life standing right before God, and do you know that holy means that I'm pure? It's quiet this morning. 
So how many of us within ourselves are righteous and holy now? Amen, that's good. It's quiet, but it's good. I want to say it like this. Not just righteous and holy in front of other people or at church, but righteous and holy to the one that I stare at in the mirror. Because not even your spouse knows you better than you know yourself. Oh, this is really good. But righteous and holy enough that I am ready to be accountable to the Lord. Told you, going to teach and it was going to be kind of quiet. You know, that's why, one reason I brought Brother Greg first, I get everybody shouting, get the pump primed a little bit, and then everybody shuts down. But I want to say it like this, others may judge me holy, others may judge me righteous. I literally, I don't say this to puff Steve up because I'm just using it as a term of an example. I've literally, and I have showed Sister Becky before messages where I would get text messages from people that would blow your mind that they were messaging me. And they would say, I want you to be praying for this situation because I know and I believe that you are a praying man and that the prayers of a righteous man availing much. I've had these messages. I've had uh, these conversations. I've showed them before to Sister Becky and I was in awe. I'm thinking, I don't even know how well they know me, but they believe that I'm a praying man. But here's the example I'm trying to use. I'm trying to get you to see that they've judged me righteous and they've judged me holy and they've judged me as a man that prays. And I am a man that prays, but if I really get to looking at myself and I want to put a title above my head to walk around with for everybody to see. I don't think that I would include the word righteous and holy. Do you know why I don't want to set myself up that high on a pedestal? Because if you watch closely enough, you're going to see me fall. At some point, the rug's going to be pulled out from underneath me or I'm going to slip up and I'm going to fail. And then all of a sudden, everybody that judged me righteous and holy, they're going to be the first ones to jump in line, ready to take that title away from me and, and, and begin to proclaim, well, he's not all that I thought that he was. After all, he's not that righteous and he's not that holy. I'm preaching good, Brother Matt. And when we look at righteous and holy, a right standing and everything right standing before the Lord, others may judge me holy. Let me ask you this, but how do you judge yourself? How do you judge yourself that you're not going to pass on to everybody else? How is it that you judge yourself? And when we look at how I judge myself, am I genuine? Have I submitted all of my heart to Christ? Am I truly allowing grace to flow and I'm trying my best to walk in the Spirit? I don't know if that's correct terminology, but it's a good question. Am I allowing grace to flow? Am I allowing Him to transform the areas of my heart that I know as of right now, this morning, right now? Do you know the moment that I ask you if you're righteous and holy, I can just about guarantee that in every one of our minds, something popped up that's not so righteous and holy. 
And so when we talk about this righteousness and holy, am I doing enough before others? They, they might have a good opinion of my character. But how would I truly judge my own self if I looked at self? Good stuff, huh? He's saying, go back to the message about Greg and skip over this. We look at this. I've not come to add to that struggle this morning, but I've came to maybe help you make sure that you're going about it God's way. Because if you're a believer this morning, listen, if you're a believer and you've been born again, then you want to be what God wants you to be. Amen? You want to be righteous and holy. I want to be at the place where I am righteous and holy. And so how do I get there? I want to go about it God's way. And watch this. I want to go about it God's way and not my own way. Think about what I just said. Not my own way. Because the majority of the church wants to be righteous and holy. They love God with all of their heart and they want to please God. But we're going about it all the wrong way. We're trying to be righteous and holy by what I do and my performance. And not about what Jesus has done on the cross of Calvary. And the grace that he has provided to change the areas of my heart that are not yet righteous and holy. Amen. And so, uh, this is the conversation that we need to have this morning. We deal with a few things that have caused us to struggle. We deal with a few areas that caused us to struggle. But in the end, how do I let God do what God wants to do and what God can only do in my life? I've had this conversation for the last three weeks. Different people periodically have reached out. I want to be better. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to try harder. I want to, and, and I'm thinking, and I, what I want to do is I want to sit down with you and kindly tell you that if you are trying within your own efforts that you're doing it all wrong. And if you keep going that way, it's going to end in frustration and it's going to end in discouragement. And the end product is I will throw my hands up in the air and say I quit because when it comes to living for God, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. And so... The struggle, nothing more discouraging to the believer who's trying to please God, who's trying to live holy and trying to live righteous, than one that continues to fail over and over and over and over. Come on, somebody surely knows what I'm talking about this morning. When you are trying to live holy, but the end is failure, and you just can't do it. Now. I fail so much, or you could a believer can get where they fail so much that you start to believe that when it comes to living for God, I just can't do it. You know, I literally, as an example, if I thought it would embarrass him, I wouldn't mention his name, but Brother Michael, me and him had some hard talks. Brother Mario Nash said the same thing. Grew up under law and legalism. We grew up thinking that we had to do all of this stuff in order to please God, continue to do all of this stuff to continue to please God. 
And these men said something that some of the rest of us wanted to say, but we wasn't there to voice it. But it's an honest to God, and I know it sounds pretty straight, but uh, he won't back up from it any at all. But law and legalism became so much that if that's the way that I've got to live for God, they will both tell you that straight up they looked at somebody and said, if that's all of the stuff that I have to do in order to be pleasing to God, I'd rather go to hell because I cannot do everything that the church is put up on me to do listen I brought that out to say this that's the point that the believer can get to the believer can get to the point they're working and working and working and their own efforts are producing nothing but discouragement and it's ending in failure and we absolutely come to the point say this if that's what it takes for me to do it what's the use because I can't do it If my basketball coach would have told me in the ninth grade, if he would have passed me a a basketball and said, here's how you make the team, you got to slam dunk it. I would have thrown the ball back to him and said, sorry, sir, for wasting your time. Because this white man can't jump. There ain't no way. I'm dunking it. Unless you put a trampoline or or lower that thing down to about seven foot, it's just not going to happen. There's no use, and the believer gets the same way. If I've got to dress a certain way, and I've got to do a certain thing, and I've got to read so many chapters a day, and I've got to pray for so many hours, and I've got to fast for so many days, and I've got to take communion like clockwork, and I've got to be water baptized in this certain formula, and I've got to be, I've got to confess a certain way, well, what is the use? Because at there's that many rules and regulation and legalism. I can promise you this. You've probably left something out. They said, what's the use? I'm done. The first thing that changes when a person is born again is the desires. If you, you know you're born again because your desires change. No longer do I have a desire for the things of the world. I have a desire for the things of God. Now let me be careful and say this. My desires have changed, but all of my actions have not yet met up and begin to meet my desires. That's good preaching. All of my actions have not yet added up to my desires. This is what I want to do, but I've not yet had that area of my heart that has been changed. And when everything within you cries out for the things of God, and you find yourself doing something that was the character of the old man, then we find ourselves back in Romans 7 where the Apostle Paul said, what I want to do is not what I'm doing, and what I don't want to do, that's what I'm doing. And what I cannot find is how to perform I don't know how to let God accomplish what he's wanting to accomplish in my life that's what Paul said he's blunt he's plain I don't know why that it's avoided so much in the church but let me just be blunt and plain for a little bit you know why this church suffers so much is because we don't have some right down there where we live kind of preaching we can't come and preach blessing we can't just come and preach confess until you feel good sometimes we've got to deal with the issues and the problems that is tearing all of us up and causing us to struggle to the point that I'm thinking about giving up and I'm thinking about quitting Now, it becomes such a discouragement that the believer feels singled out. Others are, let me say it like this, the believer can feel singled out. 
Here's what I mean by that. You can come to church. You can look at somebody. You can call somebody on the phone. And we start getting the mentality, well, they've got it all figured out. They've got it going on in their life. I mean, they're really living close to the Lord. God, God must really love them. They've got it going on. And then we look at somebody else. Well, man, look at how that they begin to sing and the anointing begin to flow. They've got it going on. Somebody else puts something on Facebook and it's encouraging. Man, I wish I was like him or I wish I was like her. They've got it going on. And we start feeling singled out. Well, I can't encourage that way. I can't sing that way. I can't teach. I can't preach. I just don't have everything going on that they've got going on. And we start feeling all by ourselves. And like Elijah, run to a cave and even tell God, I am all alone and I just can't do it. Lord, I can no longer live for you. Here's the thing that I want you to know. We start to uh, regulate the way that somebody else is living and compare it to what we know is really in our heart and here I'm going to bust everybody's bubble and just tell you and put everybody on the same level playing field here's the truth of the matter they may look like they got it all together they may act like they got it all together they may dress like they got it all together but the truth of the matter is we've all got things in our heart that needs to be changed and transformed into the image of Christ all of us I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care what your mom and dad's name is. Not in disrespectful. It makes no difference because we all are striving or should be striving to be holy and be righteous. Now, others are doing it. Why can't I? That's our thought. They're doing it. Why can't I? They're living right. Why can't I live right? Come on, I'm preaching good. I know it's hot in here. Anybody else hot? Okay, everybody's hot. If I could get one person to turn that air just to click. Can I get another? (laughs) Amen. So here's what happens. The enemy starts to tell us when you fail over and over and over again. Listen to me just for a moment. When you start to fail over and 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 over. Whoops, I'm on my life now. When you start to fail over again, here's what the enemy tells you. You know why you're failing? Because you're not born again. You're not even saved. Man, I'm preaching good. You're not even saved. That's why you're failing. Here's the problem. We start to believe it, Brother Richard. We start to believe we're not saved. Because I can't continue to fail. And when we start to believe it, listen, we enter into a danger zone. Because that's when we regress and we start to let go of the things of God. We regress even more. Next time life gets us rough, watch this. Because I know people like this and you do too. Next time life gets really rough and you hit a spot and you're, when you just, when I absolutely don't know what I'm going to do, here's what happens. The thought comes to try Jesus. Somebody who we look at and we think they've got it all together, comes by and they say, look, Jesus can help you through this. Here's where we're at. Because we have failed over and over and over again, because the enemy said you're not born again, because we start believing it, we back up. 
We regress, and when somebody comes and reminds you Jesus is the answer, we're not at the point where we're considering. We're at the point where we're mad at God. Oh, I'm preaching good. We're frustrated at God because our thought process is this. I've already tried that, and it didn't work. I had a girl tell me that one time. I already tried that Jesus stuff, and it didn't work for me. I said, you didn't, you didn't try Jesus. Yes, I did. Went to tell me all the stuff you, that she did. I said, you know what you done? You just described religion to me. Religion failed you, but Jesus will never fail you. But we get to the point where we back out. We regress. And when somebody says Jesus is the answer, we're so aggravated and frustrated at God over something that happened 10, 15 years ago that we don't even want to give him another try. Oh, I'm preaching good. Listen, of a truth, the answer is still Jesus this morning. But the majority of, church, of the church, they trusted him for salvation. Watch this. If this is Jesus, trusted him for salvation. Majority of the church is not going to argue with you that Jesus is the way. They trusted in him for salvation. But now that i got to grow in the Lord and I want to get closer to the Lord, without realizing it, we set Jesus aside and it's like, okay, now I will take the reins and it's going to be about what I do in order to grow closer to the Lord. And that's where we made our mistake. Some didn't understand what I just said, but I can't make it any simpler. The Lord's going to have to reveal that to you. But the moment that we set aside our faith in Christ and start to depend upon faith in self and start to depend on what I can do is the moment that we frustrate the grace of God and we cut off the only help that we have. When we set Him aside... And we say, now I'm going to become holy, I'm going to become righteous, I'm going to do this. I actually read a book by a woman that I thought was pretty godly that was telling people a, a process to become holy and righteous. I thought, that's, that's worth reading because I, I think that she's pretty uh, reliable. And I started reading in there, you need to do communion this many times, you need to pray this prayer so many times, you need to confess this so many times, I thought, you got to be kidding me. I don't need to go any further than what that. All she done was tell me what to do in order to become holy and righteous. The problem with that is that's not the Bible way. The Bible way is to keep my faith in Christ and what he's done on the cross of Calvary. I didn't need to finish that book. I don't need to read another book she wrote. Because she's got the process of victory all mixed up. Here's what I want you to know, and I'm going to get into this text. You can't save yourself. How many believes that this morning, that you can't save yourself? Anybody think you can save yourself? Well, listen, if you can't save yourself, what makes us think that we can change ourselves? If I can't save myself, what makes me think that I can change myself? It took... Do you know what it took for you to be saved? <laughs> Do you know that the moment that you said yes to Christ, that immediately the person of the Holy Spirit baptized you into Jesus Christ, and in doing so, he buried the old man, broke the power of the sin nature, and he raised up a new man to walk in the newness of life? Do you know how powerful that is? 
The church has overlooked the power of salvation. Do you know how powerful that is? Do you know it took the power of the Holy Spirit to cause you to be born again? And it will take the power of the Holy Spirit to change everything about you. And the Holy Spirit does not work based on your works and your efforts and what you can merit. He only works the way that He worked in the beginning by faith in Christ and what He's done on the cross of Calvary. That's the only way He's going to work. Now, I'm going to go to my text, get to my text and get into the heart of this message. Watch this, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I don't want to lose you this morning. Please don't let me bore you. Let me keep your attention for just a little bit. It's very important in what I've got to say. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now watch this. The word beseech you literally means I beg of you. The Apostle Paul is saying, believer, I'm begging of you. I beg of you, believer, by the mercies of God. And here's, I want to I bring this out. The reason that he's saying beg of you is literally because it's vital that the believer lives a holy life in order to be a witness of Jesus living inside of their life. Listen, we celebrated the resurrection of Christ last Sunday. We celebrated it. But every day the world is looking for the life of Christ to still be alive. And the way that the world sees that Jesus is alive is because the believer is walking in the Spirit and allowing them Him to change their life. He's saying, I'm begging of you. It's crucial. Listen, it's crucial. What we got to talk about is crucial. This is important. This is vital because somebody is watching you. And it could be your family. It could be your children. It could be your parents. I beg of you. And then he said, the mercies of God because God had mercy upon my life. He's saying, I want your attention because God has been merciful. Can you not just give me your attention for just a little bit to hear out what He wants from us and to hear how to let God work it in your life because God has been merciful. We stood at the mercy of God and God did not give me what I deserved. He gave me life instead by the mercies of God. And then he says, to be a living sacrifice. This is one who is alive. Everybody in here alive this morning? All of you acting like you're alive this morning? I'm alive. One who is alive, but has given over their will to the will of God. What is it God wants to do in my life and through my life? He says, a a sacrifice that is holy, that means pure from sin, acceptable, a well-pleasing unto God, and reasonable, rational. That's what that means. It means to be rational because He's provided everything that we need in order to accomplish what He's asked of us. Watch this. He's asked big of me. He wants me to present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. What? He's saying this is rational. He's saying this is reasonable. How is this rational and how is this reasonable for me to be holy and righteous and acceptable unto Him? Because He's provided what we need in order to be holy and to be righteous. Now watch this. I don't know. I'm just going to pull an example out of the ear, out of the air. If I took you down here to our new church property. And I said, I, want, I need you to cut this hay for us. 
and I didn't leave you a tractor and a hay cutter? Now that's unreasonable because I don't have what I need to get the job done. But God is saying, I need you holy and acceptable, and it's a reasonable service. Why is it reasonable? Because here's what you need to know. He's provided, and I'm going to get into it in just a second, everything you need to be holy and acceptable. He's not asked of you something that, you, that cannot be accomplished. So that kind of hurts a little bit because here's the truth. To all of us that knows that I'm not holy and righteous yet, the truth of the matter is I don't really have an excuse of why I'm not going that direction because everything I need has been provided. If I give you a shovel and ask you to dig a hole and easy to dig ground and come back in 10 minutes and it's not done, well, why not? And God could ask the same thing. I've asked you to be holy and righteous. Why, is it, why are we not becoming holy and righteous if I've given you everything you need to be holy and righteous? All right? Now, let me get into the rest of this and I'll hush. Verse number two, he says this. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Conform literally means to be fashioned to the ways of the world. Transform literally means to be changed inward by nature and function. Changed inward by nature and by function. Don't be conformed. Don't be fashioned to the worries of the world. Instead, allow the Lord to change our inward nature and our outwardly function. If you're saved, you don't do the things you used to do. If you're saved, you don't talk the way you used to talk. My outwardly function has changed because there's a, my nature on the inside has been changed. And then he says this, by the renewing of your mind, I'm going to get to that, but he's talking about grace and not works, and that you may prove that's important, that you may prove. Now listen, I'm not trying to prove something. I didn't get saved so I could walk out here in the world like a banny rooster and prove something. The word prove literally means this, allow. Don't be conformed, be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you can allow something. What am I allowing? I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to do an inward work in me that I can't do on myself. That I can't do on myself. I'm not going to bring up details because I don't want to embarrass her. I don't see her right now, but I don't want to embarrass her. I'm not going to bring anything that's wrong, but uh, uh, Tiffany come up earlier. Her prayer request was a heart, I mean an open heart prayer request, and she literally just said, there's something that I'm needing done that I know I can't do on my own, and that, but I do know that God can do it. That's what God is wanting from us. He's wanting us to acknowledge and recognize and to allow Him to do something in us that we can't do ourself that's what God is asking us to do that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God the will of God is for each and every one of us first and foremost is to be an example and a witness to the uttermost parts of the world how's your witness to those you work with how's your witness to those in your home how's your witness to, the, to your friends that you hang out with Friday night, Saturday night. How's your, man, that's really good preaching. How's your witness? Because that is the will of God. Now I want to make this simple. I'm going to make it simple. Verse number one, 
We're going to bring some things up. I want you to see it. I'm sorry if I'm boring you this morning, but it's where I feel I need to be. Verse number one, he says this, I beg of you, which means it's crucial. Look at this. It's crucial. You got to get that in your spirit. What he's talking about is crucial. The second thing that he's trying to do is to give you a request. Go ahead. He's requesting something. What is he requesting? He's requesting for me to become, to submit myself to God. Here's what you need to know about God. God is a jealous God. He loves you. And he wants all of you. He's not going to share you with the world. He wants every little bitty piece of you. This may be a bad example, but it's a right example. Me and Sister Becky are married. We're married. I'm not going to share her with the world. She's not going to share me with the world. We're married. She's mine. I'm hers. I'm hers and, and vice versa. God, when we look at the, uh, the marriage covenant, it is the relationship that God is using as an example to the church. He's not wanting to share you with the church. He's not wanting to share you with the world. He's not wanting to share areas of your heart with your friends. Uh, he's a jealous God and He wants all of you. So what area in my heart have I not yet submitted to God? And then he says this, here's the goal. The goal is to be holy and acceptable. We have, first of all, we have, it's crucial. We have a request, we have a goal, and then we have this, the reasonable. Why is it reasonable? Because he's provided everything that we need in order to be changed. And then there's a command, I promise you, I'm, 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 I feel like I'm losing you, but I hope that you're thinking, I hope you're letting the Lord deal with your life. There's a command in verse number two. In fact, there's two commands. In verse number two, he says, be not. Think about that. Believer, he's commanding us. Be not conformed to the world. That's number one command. Another command, be not, or be you transformed. Be not conformed, but be you transformed. There's your commands. That's big commands. Do you know the Bible can never command the believer to do anything without making it possible for it to be performed in our life? He can't command without making a way that it can be performed. And so the command was be not conformed, but be a transformed. He's talking about my daily functions and my daily actions. They must change. And here's how that they're changed by the renewing of our mind. And this is where I wanted to be. Do you know that renew means this? It means to renovate. Anybody ever renovated your house? Yeah, not a good time, is it? Not fun. Renew, renovate, or have a reversal way of thinking. Okay, have a reversal way of thinking. Now, here's where I want to be. Give me five more minutes, and then I might ask for five more minutes, but please give me five more. Here's where we're at. Our lives is based upon a work system. If you're going to have it, you're going to earn it. If you're going to have it, you're going to work for it. And let me just take that opportunity to say this. If you're healthy, you need to be working. You need to be working. You need a job and you need to be working. Don't depend on your family. Don't depend on the government. Get a job and work and provide for your family. That's biblical. Here's what we know. Everything about this, our, our life is a work system. If you're going to have it, you're going to work for it. 
If you're going to have it, you've got to earn it. You've got to earn respect. So in our mentality and in our mind is, if I'm going to get it, I'm going to have to get it by the sweat of my brow and the strong of my back. That's our system that we have. When I was uh, uh, growing up, it was a work system. We lived under law, and we live under law in our house. My mom and dad, clean your room. If you don't clean your room, this is what you're going to get. Work system. You understand what I'm saying? The Apostle Paul comes along to the church and he tells them this. You've been under a work-minded system. You've been under law. And the law said that you have to do this or judgment is coming. But he's trying to teach to them the old covenant has been fulfilled in Christ and you're now under a new covenant. The old covenant is not my covenant. If you're going to live for God, you better live for Him under the new covenant because the old covenant is not even your covenant. The old covenant could not produce righteousness, so there's no way that the believer could be holy and acceptable unto God. Couldn't do it. Not possible. But under the new covenant, we could. So here's what Paul's saying. Paul is saying, you're going to have to change your way of thinking. My voice is getting a little weak. You're going to have to change your way of thinking. Quit thinking that I've got to earn something for God. Quit thinking that I've got, you know how many people in the last three weeks have said, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to do more of this or I'm going to do more of that. Listen, if that's your mentality, let me tell you this, you need your mind renewed because I don't care how much you read. I don't care how much you fast. I don't care how much that you're at the house of God. If your faith is not in Christ and what He's done on the cross of Calvary, the Holy Spirit cannot do in your life what He wants to do. He says, quit thinking law, quit thinking works, and start thinking grace that's provided to you. So here's what I want you to see, and I'll hush. The problem is that we filter over in our relationship with Christ. The church has polluted this by adding rules and regulations, but look at the pattern In Romans, watch this, acknowledge. What did we acknowledge as our problem before we knew Christ? We acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Watch this, this is the process. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Look, can't get you saved unless I get you lost. I acknowledge that I had a problem, and my problem was I was separated from God by sin. Here's what else. I, this is Romans 1 through 3. Here's what Paul did, Romans 4 through 5. He got them to acknowledge their solution. What is that solution? That solution is Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on the cross of Calvary. And then here's what he said. Now that you've acknowledged the problem, now that you've acknowledged the solution, here's how you access that. You simply Believe faith in Christ. Now, you know where I'm at, Romans 12? Practical Christian living. They're already saved. They're already justified. Here's what he's saying. He's saying this. Don't change the pattern. Don't change up the pattern. Don't try to work for it. Don't try to earn it. Don't try to do more. We go back. I I acknowledge a problem. If I acknowledge a problem, whatever it is, Filthy communication, temper, uh, uh, my attitude, a hang-up, a bondage, 
an addiction, whatever it is. I acknowledge a problem. Then I acknowledge the solution for that problem. I acknowledge the solution, and that solution is Jesus Christ. And then I do what I've done in the beginning, and that is to believe of my faith in Christ and what He's done on the cross of Calvary. Look, it worked when we were lost. It worked when we were separated from God. It worked when I was a sinner. It will work while you're born again and blood-bought and a child of God. Renew your mind. Quit trying to earn it. Quit trying to think that we deserve it. Quit trying to merit it. Just simply get into the, uh, to what God's prescribed order of victory is and allow Him to do what He wants to do in our life. I want to give you this scripture and I'm going to hush. Ephesians 2 and 10. We are His workmanship. <laughs> Man, that's good. You mean I don't got to fix myself? Well, I mean, you can't anyway. Come on, we've all got problems in our heart that if we could have changed, we'd have changed them a long time ago. We are, we're His workmanship. I got to tell you what that means. Workmanship means product or project to become His product. Let me tell you, He's got His work cut out with me because I'm a mess. I'm a mess. And I would like to think that I'm not as big a mess as the next guy, but there we go with that holy and righteous mentality because one problem is still a mountain. Here's what you need to know. We are His workmanship. I'm His project. You're His project. And here's something else. You don't have anything going on in your heart that God's not aware of. Here's something scary. He even knows our thoughts. Uh-oh. Well, he was mad at me the start of the day. Come on, y'all take your halos off a minute. He was mad at me before I ever got up. I had a funny thought, and I better keep it to myself. Hey, that's maturity. That's growing. Because it had to do with me and Sister Becky, and I'm just, I'm growing. Thank you, Jesus. Sanctification. We're His workmanship. You're God's, you're God's project. So let me say this. I'll leave you with this. If we're God's project to become His product, when are we going to quit trying to take the reins out of God's hand and say, God, thank you for saving me, but I can take it from here? When are we going to stop that? Let our mind be renewed and just simply say, you know what? I was saved by grace. So why not allow that same grace to change me? And to transform me into his image. Church, living for God should not be a struggle. Yes, we have a fight of faith. But I'm fighting to believe that what Jesus did on the cross is sufficient for whatever I'm facing. I'm not fighting to change myself. There's two different things. I don't got time to get into it. I'm not fighting to change myself. I'm fighting to believe that what he done on the cross is sufficient for whatever I'm facing today. But what I want you to understand is God knows what he got when you were created in your mother's womb. He knows what he was getting. He knows what he was up against. He knows your thoughts. He knows what's in your heart. He knows everything that needs to be done. He's just asking for us to allow, approve, to allow him to make us 
what is that good and acceptable will of God. Quit thinking. Listen, quit thinking. I've heard that so much the last three weeks, I want to slap somebody. Quit thinking I've got to try harder. Quit thinking I've got to do better. Quit thinking I've got to work harder. And start thinking the same grace that saved me is able to change me. So God, I acknowledge my problem. I acknowledge the solution. And I believe that Jesus is able to change this also. This is all part of the message of the cross. What Christ did on the cross of Calvary is complete. It's a finished work. Anything and everything you need is found in a finished work. Allow Him to renew your mind and allow Him to change it. You're going to get frustrated and discouraged if you don't let the Holy Spirit get involved. And the only way He can get involved is for you to place your faith in Christ and what He's done on the cross of Calvary. Will you stand with me this morning? There's nothing about you that God can't change. There's nothing about you that God cannot alter. Our temper, our attitude, our thoughts that we shouldn't have, He can filter them. Listen, there's nothing about you that God cannot change. And don't just take for granted, well, it's the way I am. It's just how I've always been. Well, good. You know what you just did? You made it to the first step. You acknowledged it. Now acknowledge the solution because you don't got to stay that way. We've got to be renewed in our mind and let the Spirit of God do what He does. Will you bow your head? Father, I love you this morning. I thank you, God, for your grace and for your mercy and love. I thank you, God, for the opportunity to teach, to minister this morning. I pray, God, that it was plain, and I pray, God, that it's pricked our heart, and I pray, God, that it will set somebody into liberty today, somebody that's been trying to work for it, somebody that's been trying to earn it, somebody that's been trying legalism or law or, or, or this action after that action. Lord, I pray that they would find that your grace is sufficient, your grace is still sufficient, and that they would allow you to renew their mind so that they can be changed inwardly and function different. In Jesus' name, this is my altar call as he's playing this morning. It's simply this. If you're here this morning, you saved, you love God, you want nothing more than to please God, you're born again, and you want to walk in his perfect will, which is to be a witness for him. But you're having a little trouble which we'll all have a little trouble, but you're having some trouble because you want to revert back to your own works and your own way. Revert back to what I do and what I can handle. Well, this morning, this altar call is for you. And as you come and pray, we're just simply going to gather around you and we're going to ask God to renew our mind. Help us, God to quit reverting back to law and works and let us start thinking about grace and faith because it's only through grace and faith that we're going to be changed. This morning, if that's for you, then I invite you to come and find yourself a place to pray and we're going to pray for you this morning. Would you come? Come on, would you come? Come on, would you come? Come on, several are coming. God, renew our mind. God, renew my mind. Help me to thank grace. My Lord, I feel that this morning. Help me to thank grace. Would you come? Several have come. Would you come this morning? Come on, would you come? Now's the time to apply it.
God, renew and help me to think grace. Help me, God, to depend on your process and not on my own process. Would you come this morning? Guys, will you help me? Church family, you're welcome to come. Find somebody. Pray. These people are here because they just want to please God and they want to walk in His will. Pray that God would touch their mind, renew their mind, and help them to start thinking grace. Come on, you can come and help us pray this morning. I am thine, O and I've heard thy voice, and it told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith, and be closer, drawn to Hallelujah. Well, draw me nearer, nearer, nearer. God, I pray you would heal our minds this morning. Help us, God, to be renewed. Help us to thank grace and faith and not my own efforts or my own words, God. I pray you would move upon every individual, God. Every heart this morning, Lord. Hallelujah. To thy precious Hallelujah. For there are depths of love that I yet may know. Ever face to face I see. Hallelujah. There are heights of joy that I yet may reach. Ever rest in peace with. Come on, sing it as a prayer this morning. Well, draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to the cross where Thou hast died. Well, draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to Thy precious Bleeding side. Come on, think about this. Oh, the pure delight of a, of a single, single hour, hour that before, before thy hallelujah I, I spend. Just to be in his presence when I kneel, when I kneel in, prayer. in prayer and with thee, my, my God. God, I commune as Friend with Come on, sing it as a prayer one more time. Draw me nearer. Draw me nearer. Nearer, nearer, blessed Lord. God, we just want to grow in you, Lord. Where thou will draw me nearer. Nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to thy prayer. Amen. And Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you, God, for the text this morning. If you were blessed by this message or you need prayer, please email us at faithworshipcenterar at gmail.com.